Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It is Wednesday, July 20th, and this is People Every Day. Happy Wednesday, everyone. It's me, Janine Rubenstein. So happy to be back with you today. We've got a lot to get to, and these stories really run the gamut. Some true crime, some Southern charm updates, a new development coming out of Ben and Jen's Vegas wedding, and more in between. So let's jump right in. Somebody, our choice! You are currently participating in illegal demonstration activity. Cease and desist or you will be arrested. Which is exactly what happened. That was the sound of the abortion rights protest that took place outside the Supreme Court yesterday afternoon. 35 people, 17 of which are members of Congress, were arrested for, quote, crowding, obstructing, or incommoding. Some of the lawmakers arrested included Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, Ilhan Omar of Minnesota, and Missouri's Cori Bush, who led several of the chants outside the highest court in the land. Alongside a powerful video of her walking with her fellow protesters and chanting, bans off our bodies, Congresswoman Omar wrote on social media, Today, I put my body on the line and got arrested outside the Supreme Court to protest the court taking away our reproductive rights. Serious times call for serious action. AOC also took to social media and posted footage of her arrest to Instagram with the caption, Today, I got to scratch, get arrested with Barbara Lee off my bucket list. Hashtag bans off our bodies. She later let supporters know that we're all good and made it back in time for votes. Talk about a full day's work. The love from supporters is pouring in for these members of Congress who have taken to the streets to peacefully protest for the reproductive rights of their constituents and for women in general. Moving on to a story we've touched on before on the show, Bradley Cooper and new love interest Huma Abudin are taking things slow. The A Stars Born actor, director, who's 47, and the political staffer, who's 45, were reportedly first introduced by their mutual friend, Vogue editor Anna Wintour, earlier this spring, and have been quietly seeing each other for months. But a source close to Cooper confirmed to people that they are dating, but it's not a full speed ahead type thing yet. It's still in the early stages. So while the couple is in no rush to get serious, sources tell us that it's a good match anyway, adding that Bradley is fascinated by her. Huma is very international and has seen and done so much, and that they are both serious-minded people dedicated to their work and doing the right thing. Huma is smart and a straight shooter. They make an interesting pair. Well, I am very interested in this pair and am excited to see where things go for the could-be power couple. And now it's time to get to one of this week's featured cover stories, the latest in South Carolina's Murdoch family murder mystery and the mounting evidence against patriarch Alex Murdoch. 
This is a story we at People have been following closely since the tragic summer night one year ago when two members of a well-to-do small-town South Carolina family were viciously murdered. With a high-pitched scream, Alex Murdaugh, a successful lawyer, called police on June 7, 2021, and reported that he had found his 52-year-old wife, Maggie Murdaugh, and their 22-year-old son, Paul Murdaugh, shot outside of their estate. Today, he remains at the center of the murder investigation, and in this week's issue, Out on Stands Friday, we dive deep into the nooks and crannies of Alex's fall from grace. So to help sort through the details is People's Senior Crime Editor, Steve Helling. Hey, Steve. Welcome back to the show. Hi. How are you? So in in the beginning, Alex Murdaugh was seen as the grieving husband, and he and their surviving son, Buster, who's 26, went on Good Morning America and announced a $100,000 reward for any news regarding the case. But today, a different image of Alex is front and center. So take us back to the beginning of how this case unfolded, and what all do we know about then? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that we know is the day that it happened, you know, in June of 2021, you know, everybody thought, you know, this is a poor man who comes home from visiting his elderly father and finds his wife and son dead, shot by two different guns. So it seemed like maybe it was a hitman or something like that. At first, everybody thought that Alex Murdaugh was a victim, and it didn't take very long for things to start coming out with financial crimes that he was allegedly involved in, other mysterious deaths swirling around him. And suddenly he went from being this sympathetic, grieving father and husband to somebody who was a person of interest in the case. Yes. And and, and we learned that at the time— Maggie was seeking a divorce, right? Well, we knew that she was living separately from Alex, which, of course, is not a good sign in any marriage when you're living separately. She was living at a beach house about an hour away. But we also found out a few months ago that she had gone and seen at least one divorce lawyer in Charleston, South Carolina, and that she was telling her friends that she was over it and ready to move on and was hoping to rebuild her life after a, a divorce. So investigators working in this case developed a theory as to what they think really happened. So how have they put those pieces together? Investigators who I spoke with, there's a lot of evidence that they say that they have, which seems to poke holes in his defense. Murdaugh had this alibi that he basically said, I was visiting my father who was at death's door. And so I was there at the hospital. But, you know, there's all sorts of GPS evidence that seems to contradict that from his phone to his Apple watch to his to his car. He must have forgotten that when he said, you know, I was there the whole time because, uh, you know, police are saying, well, no, he was at the hospital and And then he was at the house. And there's other evidence that puts him at the scene as well. There is an audio that was taken by their son, Paul, who died. There's audio of Alex having a conversation with his wife at the time that he was supposedly at the hospital. So what seems, what police think happened was Alex arrived there at the house. He got Maggie to come to the house to meet him there. They had some sort of discussion and Paul saw the discussion happening and decided to turn on his phone and record it. Paul's phone was found with his body. So obviously they checked it and they found this audio that happened earlier that night that seems to also contradict what Alex Murdaugh said. Mm. Well, today, Alex Murdaugh made his first court appearance after being charged with the murders of Maggie and Paul, but he maintains his alibi of visiting his dying father, who who died three days later at the age of 81. What do you think his 
tactic will be here, considering everything you just laid out. He says he wants a speedy trial because he says that the real killer or killers is are still out there. One thing I didn't mention is there was also blood spatter on his clothes that seems to have come from Maggie. Oh, wow. Which is consistent with, you know, her being shot and killed and some of the blood getting on him. I don't know exactly how they'll be able to counteract that as as a defense. I mean, after, you know, their deaths, everyone started digging into everything, all of the, the fraud claims. And then you had that wild moment where he was shot by someone that he allegedly paid to shoot him. Well, first of all, after his family was murdered, people started looking into his finances and started realizing that there was a lot of irregularities there. To date, Alex Murdaugh has been charged with 85 crimes that are financial in nature. Wow. He's pleaded not guilty to all of them, but they include taking money from his law firm where he worked, taking money from his clients. And the big one was defrauding the family of his former housekeeper who had died in a mysterious slip and fall at Alex Murdaugh's home. And he had done this whole insurance settlement with them. And then authorities say he pocketed that $4.5 million settlement. So then all of this is coming out. And then around Labor Day of 2021, Alex Murdaugh said that he had been shot in the head by some passerby as he was changing his tire. As it turned out, his story didn't seem to hold much water. And now Alex Murdaugh's friend and alleged drug dealer has been arrested for allegedly setting up this whole fake suicide thing, hoping to allegedly get an insurance settlement for the surviving son, Buster. Will that affect this case or is all that separate? Does he have a million other cases he has to deal with? I assume that in some hearing coming up that the defense will try and get a lot of this excluded. But right now, there's nothing excluding this from being part of the testimony. Wow. And so in terms of timing, if convicted, what's he looking at? He's facing up to 270 years on the financial crimes alone. That's not including these murder charges, which could be the death penalty. South Carolina is a death penalty state, or it could just be life in prison. Wow. Wow. Steve, just such a winding, winding story. Um, Guys, we will keep you all updated as developments come up. And remember to get your copy of the issue on Newsstands Friday. Steve, thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Coming up, we're sticking around the Carolinas for a very different story. We're heading over to Charleston, South Carolina, with one of the stars of the hit Bravo show, Southern Charm, Craig Conover. We'll go behind the scenes and bring you the latest off-camera gossip. But first, picture this. You're in line with your future spouse, waiting to get a marriage license. You're already incredibly excited, and then... Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez stand in line behind you to do the exact same thing. Right after the break, we share a couple's story of how one of the most memorable moments of their lives became truly unforgettable. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
We are back. So last Saturday, Erica and Demetrius Visaya began their day by celebrating their son's second birthday with a Batman-themed bash because, of course, the couple hosted family and friends for the celebration at their home in Victorville, California. Amidst all of the love and family time, they made a spur-of-the-moment decision. Let's get married today in Vegas. So Erica and Demetrius, plus some of their family, made their way to Las Vegas. As the new husband and wife-to-be waited in line for a marriage license, another couple entered. Except they weren't just another couple. It was a Super Bowl halftime show headliner and an Academy Award winner. The new bride said she instantly recognized Jennifer Lopez. The two recalled spotting the celebrity couple to their local ABC7 station. The new bride said she instantly recognized Jennifer Lopez, and the two recalled spotting the celebrity couple to their local ABC7 station. And Demetrius said this of his wife. Erica turned around and looked at the door, and she was like, oh my God, it's been Affleck and J-Lo. And I was like, oh, you crazy, shut up. He didn't believe me, but I knew instantly when I saw J-Lo, like, that's J-Lo. The newly minted Mrs. Affleck even gave the couple a shout-out in her On the J-Lo newsletter, saying, Last night, we flew to Las Vegas, stood in line for a license with four other couples, all making the same journey to the wedding capital of the world. Behind us, two men held hands and held each other. In front of us, a young couple who made the three-hour drive from Victorville. (laughs) After the chance encounter with Affleck and Lopez, the California couple couldn't wait to tell their family what happened. We couldn't, we didn't even think about our wedding. We're just telling them, oh my God, we saw them. And his cousins are huge fans of J-Lo. They were screaming. Everybody wanted to run back there and try to see him. I'm like, dude, we're going to miss our wedding. The new bride shared the details behind their extra special wedding day on social media, calling it the wedding of a lifetime. And also writing, on July 16th, 2022, I married the love of my life alongside J-Lo and Ben Affleck. Such a spontaneous and amazing story for our family. (laughs) I mean, deciding to get married is incredibly exciting on its own. Then the thrill of doing it, spur of the moment, in Vegas, no less, is even more exhilarating. And then you get there and you're standing in line next to Ben and Jen for a wedding 20 years in the making. I mean, goodness. (laughs) So thrilled for all of the happy couples who tied the knot. It's definitely a day none of them will forget. Since 2014, Bravo's series Southern Charm has been bringing us into the lives of some of the Southern belles and gentlemen of Charleston, South Carolina. We have watched breakups, makeups, fights, chaotic trips, scandals, and some good old Southern shade being tossed around. Today, we are joined by one fella who definitely has a knack for finding himself in the middle of the drama. Please welcome entrepreneur and Bravo celebrity Craig Conover. Craig, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, let's dive right in. The season kicked off with the story of you hooking up with your ex, Naomi, in Las Vegas. And the twist being that most of us who watched Summer House also knew you met cast member Paige DeSorbo and started dating her, although you were not exclusive for a while. I'll put that out there. So where are we on the show? And I mean, because when we came into it, your bestie, Austin, was trying to blow up this storyline and essentially your relationships with these women right off the bat. So I'm going to give you a three-parter. What was the actual timeline with Naomi and Paige? I am happily in a relationship with Paige. Very happy. The Naomi thing had happened way before Paige, but obviously when we started to record our lives again in Charleston, there had been a huge break since the last time we recorded. Naomi was back and obviously they were going to tell that story. I was a little, little disappointed with Austin's behavior. He was, he was going through 
some stuff, I guess, on his own, but he was kind of taking it out on everyone else. And I remember after he had that conversation with Naomi, he came to me when we left and was like, I just messed up. And I was like, look, man, that's just going to make you look bad. You know? And then what happened is it had happened so long before Austin, I will, to his credit, he couldn't even remember. So he was just, a lot of the details get a little skewed, but it's okay. And fortunately we've all been pretty mature about it and it just is. Okay. So outside of your love and bromance life, Fans are definitely missing Cameron on the show. Her lack of presence is felt for sure. So do you still speak with her? And and how is she doing? What do we know? Cameron's the best. We all miss Cameron. She was like a sister to me. I didn't have a sister growing up. And we we worked together for seven years almost. Through that, we became really, really good. But fortunately, Charleston's a small town. And so I still get to see her. And we keep in touch, mostly just through you know, Instagram messaging or sending each other things on Instagram. But if anything serious ever happens, you know, we're, we're on the phone talking. And, mm. and, and Cameron's doing well, baby, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. She's happy. Sometimes reality TV runs its course. I think having children and being on television would be really tough because a lot of what the entertainment factors become is not the same <laughs> things you, that some people want to do as a parent. So I think she's happy watching from afar. I'm sure she wants to scream at her TV sometimes watching some of our antics. And it was definitely good to have her there. She just added an element that can't be replaced. You might be the cast member who has done the most growth on this show. I mean, who else on the cast do you think has grown, though, since the beginning of the show and why? A lot of times it's tough having your life filmed. There is an element of everything being documented that's neat. Because it's, you know, it's been nine years of my life over eight seasons, which there has been a lot of, a lot of change. And I'm happy to be able to share that there is a light at the end of the tunnel with people. I want to see my path, you know, I want to see Austin take my path, you know, because he, he has a chance to do something similar with his beer company. He just, (laughs) Austin and his love life seem to get in, get in his way a lot of times. Catherine has had a heck of a journey Um, which has been way harder than mine. I will always root for her. It almost seems like she's on a circular track, like you'd find at high school or college, and she has to keep jumping over the same hurdles and hurdles over and over. And I hope that she finds a way to like just leave the track and hop over the fence and run past the bleachers and find a new path. I don't know if you can compare anyone else on the show to me, and that might sound a little... I don't mean to be conceited or anything like that. I mean, but to go from unemployed and not knowing what you want to do to sewing machine master with a huge store, brick and mortars and all that, that that is a pretty great art. Yes. To go back a couple years where, I mean, I had to move home after season two and just work for my dad because I was kind of a mess. And now a couple of years later, actually having, you know, I think we have 25 employees now. You're in home goods. (laughs) Yeah. And home goods, like... It's been a really fun path to share with everyone. Well, okay. Summer House and Winter House are two other franchises that you have been a part of in the Bravo universe. Are you going to be joining those casts again? You will see me and Paige on the next season of Winter House. I'm naively excited for because that is the first show. You get to really see us as a couple, which I think will be really fun. Okay. And then, you know, Summer House is kind of, we'll see. I would love to... Love to pop on there again. Man, those 
24 hour surveillance shows are a lot different than Southern Charm. All right, before I lose you, what can you tease us about the upcoming episode? Well, Austin, Shep, and myself traveled to Charlotte to say goodbye to Austin's home. It's just classic, like old school boys being boys, and it's hilarious. But coupled with there's some serious drama that begins. There's definitely a new chapter starting between some people on the show. And so as much fun as as much laughing that we do in Charlotte, there's also some, some serious stuff that happens. So it should be a great one to watch this Thursday. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Thanks for having me. With all the recent headlines about these oppressive heat waves striking around the globe and the constant worry of climate change, sometimes it's easy to feel hopeless, like there's nothing we can do to make a difference, which is why I was so proud of my son when out of the blue, he asked me if we could go on a trash walk the other day. At first, I was confused as to what he had in mind, but then he said he wanted to, you know, walk around and pick up trash in our neighborhood because he wanted to do his part. And it just made my heart melt, which is exactly why the story of 77-year-old Doug Eichten made me smile. Doug is 77, as I said, and lives in Plymouth, Minnesota, and picks up trash along a two-mile stretch of road six days a week. The reason I do it is because all of the trash goes down the storm sewers, into the river, into the little creeks that go into the rivers, and eventually works its way down to the Gulf. On average, he picks 15, yes, 15 pounds of trash up every single week. So that's 15 pounds of paper cups and cigarette packages and things like that. So it's a lot of stuff. Doug hopes his efforts can also inspire the next generation to make this planet a little better than they found it. As he told a local news station about telling his story, I hope it's used with the children as a teaching moment because there's no need for it and it should be unacceptable. You can complain about these things or you can do something about them. So true, Doug. And as a friendly reminder to all of you out there, myself included, because Lord knows I could always use one, reduce, reuse, recycle. And if you see some trash, be like Doug and my son and pick it up. Not my husband, Doug, but this is getting confusing. Yes, you know what I mean. (laughs) Well, thank you all for downloading and listening to us today. I'll be joining you tomorrow from San Diego. I'm headed off to Comic-Con and I cannot wait. I'll be back with you then for more of People Every Day.